Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you've joined us. If you're a guest, again, we want to welcome you. Uh, I know you're out there somewhere. There you are, a little bit better. Uh, my name is Henry Link. I'm the engaged coach or the student pastor or small group pastor or janitor, whatever you want to call me. Uh, I'm good with it, but uh, I'm uh, thankful to come into the house of God and to worship together. Are you, do you get excited sometimes? Uh, I, I, maybe not every time. Maybe you just drag to coming in sometimes. I don't know. But uh, there's just something within me that when I come in to this place and when I get a chance to come together with God's people, People. There's something that stirs within me that just makes me excited to be here. I don't know about anybody else, but I hope that that never dies. Uh, I had a chance to spend time uh, with family during Thanksgiving, uh, developed a little bit of a head cold, so if you hear that, that's probably what that is. But even in the midst of that, there was just something about looking forward to Sunday because there's something about what Christ has done in me that just makes me Excited? Does that happen to y'all ever? Does that ever get? Does it ever excite you enough to where you just want to go, God? Thank you so much. Won't you give him a hand clap of praise right now because he is good more than we would do Alabama, Auburn. We definitely ain't cheering for Tennessee right now because they done lost and all that good stuff. But he is worthy uh, of so much more. Well, we're going to continue this morning uh, in the book of Philippians as I've had a chance to walk through the book of Philippians and, and teaching through and just experience found on what God has for us. This uh, excites me every time we get a chance to, to do this. Pastor Toby is over in uh, Growth Track 401 talking with, uh, I believe we've got about 10 people over there. And if you've never been through a Growth Track, and again, if, even if you've been, and maybe it's been a little while, uh, and you just want to go back for a refresher course, we encourage everyone, again, just an opportunity to find out what your spiritual gift is, what God has for you, uh, the, your, your personality, your purpose, your passion, uh, all those different things on how you can fulfill your purpose for God's kingdom here within the local church. Be part of that. Next Sunday, again, uh, we've got the single uh, service faith family meeting, and the angel tree info is in the back. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. We've walked through the book of Philippians. We've uh, had a chance to look at so many different things. And and the main focus before anything else that I want us to to remember and want to remind us this morning as we look is that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus Christ. Paul's whole purpose in writing this book is to focus us, to show us what the advancement is, to show us what the promotion is. But ultimately now we We have something greater. We have a a calling placed on our lives because of what Jesus has done. And so we trust in that. And my prayer is, in fact, right now, let's just lift our our hearts and spirits to to the one who changes, the one who works in us. Father, we love you. And my prayer is this morning that as we have looked and we've seen the glorious truths in your word, We've seen the calling, we've seen the focus, we've seen the promotion of what the cross is all about. God, I pray that we would see and receive the power and the purpose that you have placed on each of us, God, so that we can be a light in a dark world, that we can trust in a hope that is eternal, and God, that we can be your children. And God, live it this life to the fullness of your glory. God, that's what it's about. I pray that you would remove all, all distractions, every, anything that would distract us from that purpose, God, including my own life, including whatever, whatever it may be. God, may we see what you have for us. And God, may we see that with great joy because you 
are good. And God, we love you. We praise and bless your name this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I, here's the struggle that I believe we see sometimes. And uh, when I was when growing up, I played football from fifth grade up. It was one of those things we, uh, I played football for, since the, the moment I, uh, I could. We, we offered, they offered middle school, uh, fifth grade, and fifth and sixth grade football, then seventh and eighth grade, then high school. Uh, so I, I love the sport of football. Again, I can sit down and watch any team, really. I've got teams I cheer for, but you can really put me in front of any kind of uh, football game on TV. You can take me and I'm going, I'm going back, all right, who are we cheering for? Because I love the sport that much. But it, it was one of those things that my grandfather tried his best to get me to play baseball. He offered me $250 one year and said, if you'll just go try out for baseball. And my dad said, no. He's like, we play football. I'm like, but dad, do you, what offer are you bringing to the table? He's like, I offer you living in a house so you can go play football. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that, that works. I don't think I can buy that with $250. Uh, but it was one of those things, fifth grade year, starting out in football, they're just trying to find out. where. I think they actually tried me out in the backfield as a running back one time, and they laughed at me. But it, I think I probably kind of laughed at myself a little bit. They finally, they moved me around. Finally, they put me left tackle. That was my position for the rest of my football amazing career uh, that I had uh, where we went four and seven. Uh, my first, my fifth grade year, we went one and nine, so you you know, you're really kind of, you know, it's, it's uphill. It's all uphill from there. You know, you really can't get much, uh, much worse. I know some of you say, no, you can go zero and 10, but we, no, we, we're just not looking at that. But my sixth grade year, we had the best team. We won the county championship my fifth and sixth grade year. My sixth grade year, we won the county champion, fifth and sixth grade football, county champs, Harlan County, Kentucky. I mean, we were, it, it was a stat. We had the t-shirts made, the sweatshirts made, the hats made. We were trying our best to figure out what kind of billboard we could buy, and we were collecting our allowances, and we had enough to buy a float in the, in the Christmas parade, and we're, I mean, we're like, we're excited. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Something happens, and you're like, this is it. Yes! And we're, I mean, we're trying our best. But then we get on into seventh grade and eighth grade. There was one time we, uh, we, we went, and we, I believe we went three and eight in high school. Uh, you know, one year we went all the way to the state semifinals. The very next year we didn't even qualify for the playoffs. And it was an up and down experience. In those down times, you get really discouraged, wondering, wait a minute, what about those glory days? And, and, and you live back, and, you, and, and you're hoping, like, man, if we could just go back. And I think, if we're not careful, many of us in our Christian life that is how we relate to our relationship with Jesus. We look back and we find exciting times and we, we're excited and we're like, nothing can stop us. We're, we're undefeated. We're amazing. God is, is awesome. He is working in our lives. He's doing great things. And then all of a sudden, something comes along and our Christian life just hits rock bottom. And we're wondering, why can't we go back? What are we facing? And we have this battle where we delighted in, what, at one point, this, 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 this joy that we had, but then the joy is doesn't seem to be there. Now all of a sudden we're wrestling with this battle of duty of saying, God, I know you're calling me to this, but this is just not fun. 
And I believe Paul saw an opportunity where, where the enemy could easily get into the church in Philippi and in, in, in the Christian life period and start working this same mindset and start wrestling. And I've met people that are completely extremes on both ends where we, we have those people that are completely and utterly duty. They have, it has to be done no matter what. I don't care if you, don't, I don't care if you hate doing it. God is calling you to do it. And, and, and if you don't do it, you're not a believer. You, you, have no, you have no discipline whatsoever. And those people don't understand the joy found in a relationship with Jesus. But then you have other people that say, you know what, I'm not delighting in it. I'm not having fun in this. This is not a joy. So I'm going to wait until my joy comes back before I start doing it again. And the problem is those people, they, nine times out of ten, the joy never re- returns because they're, they've, they've given up. And I believe that, that Paul saw the opportunity for both extremes. And so he, he shows us and he begins to encourage us to understand what is it that we have if we really understand that the cross is the, that the cross offers the opportunity for us to come regardless of the circumstance, that the gospel is powerful enough to push through any circumstance that we can trust and hope in something that is not of this world, that is higher, that is greater, and that we, it is not about you and I, then the enemy could easily come in and start showing that. And Paul says, no, I want you to see something. So the takeaway, before we get in, before we dive into scripture, I want you to just write down a simple takeaway that if there's anything I could ask that you would understand in what Paul desires for our lives as believers is simply this, that when we receive his power, we will achieve his purpose. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 18. We'll unpack this in a minute. But I want you to understand, if there's anything that we could understand that Paul, I believe Paul is showing us, is that when we receive his power, we will achieve his purpose. Let's dive into Scripture and we'll unpack this a little bit more. Beginning in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as... In my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation." among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me." Now, here's what I believe we have to understand. We've got to look at a couple things. First off, look at verse 12 and see what he is saying. See what he, the main focus that you'll find. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. First thing we've got to understand as we're talking about this purpose and this power that we receive, we've got to understand what the purpose is for our lives. And Paul says it's not for us to work for our salvation. It doesn't say work for your own salvation. He says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
And so he automatically says there's this mindset that it's not about doing something to receive something to get to that point, but it is something that we already have, as we'll look at in a minute. But we can't get to the point where we walk this Christian life and tell ourselves that if I just do a little bit more, then maybe I'll achieve. Maybe I'll get to that point. Maybe then I'll have it. He says, work out your salvation as if there is something already in us that we're to push outward, not something that's out there that we've got to cram into us. And Paul says, work it out for yourself. Personal salvation brings with it responsibilities, which Paul related to Christians' obedience. So the idea, the mindset here is our obedience is we work out what God has already done in us. There is now beginning to show a purpose. There's now beginning to be this this life and this passion and this fulfillment that we are now to walk out with this. The responsibility was to live in accord with their salvation, to start living with in accord with what God has already done. And so we have to understand, beginning first off, everything, when Paul says, work out your salvation, this is not something for us to do and for us to say that if I just do this, then maybe I can receive Jesus then maybe I'll be accepted by God. See, the mindset in many believers, many church members, is that mindset that if I just do a little bit more, then maybe I'll get it done. Maybe it'll come to fruition. Maybe then I'll be accepted. We don't work for acceptance. We work from acceptance. We don't work for love. We work out of a heartbeat that is from love already poured into us. And so if you're a believer in Christ, for me as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, my purpose is to work out what God is doing within me. We have, we have these, this idea in the church, and if we're not careful, we're raising a generation where we're training up people to be good when that is not the purpose of Jesus Christ within his church. We don't need more good people, we need more alive people. See, Jesus didn't come to make, good, to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. We can be good all day long, our entire life, what we would think to be good and be dead spiritually. And so, Jesus, so, so Paul is, is speaking and saying, look, we have to walk out what has already begun. Paul really meant in the first place that we were to act like the spirit that's dwelling within us. The purpose that we're seeking to achieve is to become more and more like Jesus every day. So are we pursuing that as we receive the power of God? Are we pursuing to achieve the purpose of our salvation as we walk it out with fear and with trembling? I worked for uh, a couple months before uh, Kayla and I got married. Uh, I came out of life action, uh, and I went to work in the coal mines uh, of, of Kentucky. Uh, you know, one of those, you, somebody, somebody messaged me and said they were watching a documentary on my hometown, Harlan County, USA, uh, and then they, they, they started singing to me the Brad Paisley song, You'll Never Leave Harlan Alive. 
Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard it, in case if, you, if, you, if you're wondering if I haven't, I've heard it plenty of times. But a uh, big focus in my hometown was coal mining. It's actually a dying area right now. My, I get messages from my dad, care I keep up with friends back home, and it's just uh, hurting so much because of the economy. But I worked there for about three or four months, and it was one of those things. I was, I was the low man on the totem. I was, the, I was the, the scud, you know what I mean? It was one of those things. They sent me, when I got there, they sent me down into this tunnel, about 500 feet long uh, with a conveyor belt and they gave me a shovel and a wheelbarrow and basically my job was after the coal had been taken out of the mountain or or they they were working on surface mining even at that point and they had brought it down and it had been kind of cleaned up the conveyor belt to take it to the pile I was down by that conveyor belt because when they would go to load trains and they would load up uh, the, the, the trucks to transport and everything, they would just dump it down and this conveyor belt would be spinning. But uh, naturally, things would just kind of pile up or they would fall off and it would all get piled up and get stuck at the bottom. And so when it would rain, water would run down this tunnel and my job was to scoop up the the mess basically okay it was not a glorious job but it was one of those things that paid the bills and it helped me save up money for when we got married but it was one of those things I I'd, I'd gotten down there uh, and I got kind of got this rhythm as I was going because they gave me the shovel and literally you had an area about this wide uh, so it really wasn't even where you could shovel and turn your shovel this way you had to somehow maneuver the shovel and so I I you know I, I got I got to work in physics and everything I got to start going okay maybe you know I could do this this. So I'd shovel, and I had this motion where I would actually put the wheelbarrow right here, and I would actually scoop it and kind of sling it, kind of like a catapult type thing. Uh, It took me just a couple tries, but I got that down. I got a system down going. Man, I was going to town. I'd shovel and just scoop, shovel and scoop, and it would would be one of those things. The force would just keep it in the shovel pail until it got to the wheelbarrow, and you'd stop and all that. Well, I I was moving right along one day, and then I didn't realize as I was going, I was such in the zone, I didn't realize I was moving down the tunnel, and there was a light in the tunnel right above my head. Some of y'all are going, yeah, I know where this is going. Okay, shovel overhead, shovel, yeah, shovel is stopped by light, okay? I'm just telling you, big old massive light. I'm shoveling, all of a sudden I hit that thing, and coal just, I mean, that, that whole shovel, and I'm talking, I wasn't a little bit, this was like a snow plow shovel, you know what I'm talking about, so shoveling snow, and that's what, and it just comes raining down. I go home, Kayla's actually visiting uh, for the weekend, we're pre- uh, preparing for the wedding and everything, and I, all she can see were my eyeballs and my smile, that was about it. I mean, I'm just covered in, but it was, it, that sign, that sign was a show that the mind was at work, that things were being brought out and things were being fulfilled. The purpose of this mineral was being completely accessed and being used to its best ability. And so when Paul says the idea of work out your salvation, it's the same mindset that is, that is used when it's talking about working in a mind. And it's that getting out of the mind all the valuable ore as possible or working a field so that the greatest harvest is, is possible. And so when Paul tells you and tells me, he says, work out your salvation, he's saying, do the best, use every resource, use everything you can, make every available op- opportunity to where you are working and getting the, fulfill- the fulfillment and living this life to the fullest of your ability in Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of that we can walk and we say, Henry, that, but that's the problem is there, there's such, it, it gets so difficult sometimes. 
You know, this is where a lot of those people that are, again, they're all about the delight. They say, you know, Andrew, I just don't, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling because I just don't. Let me, let me help us out here because let's look at the, the next passage because I want us to understand something. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God. How is it that we can keep walking? How is it that we can do this life and keep walking? Because it is God who is at working, who is at work within your life today. Now understand one thing before we before we move on. I want to, I want to go back and look at one. It says there's a there's a key word in that first verse in verse number twelve because I believe a lot of us are great at working out salvation. But the problem is, is we forget that word, your own, or that phrase, your own. Many of us are great at working out salvation of other people. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know that person. If you don't know that person, you say, oh, I don't know anybody like that. There's a chance you might be that person. You can just you know, let the Spirit reveal that to you. But we're that, that person that works out someone else's salvation is the one that looks and says, you know, they really need to get better at this. You know what, if they would, I can't believe they're not doing it this way. I can't believe, why would they not do this? Why would we, why would they not, you know, and, 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 their, and the tendency can be easily to see where others need to work when God, first and foremost, is saying, look, let's start with you and work out what God has for you. And we each have a calling on each one of our lives that is unique to the kingdom and to fulfill a purpose of God. Just got, got done speaking on 301 with our growth track as we talk about passions, personalities, and spiritual gifts. How we are called to these different areas. I remember when God called me to life action, when God called me to the ministry, it was one of those things. I know people are called, they spend a couple of years in life action. They go right back into the, uh, to the secular world, and th- those people were needed. God was stirring my heart, uh, what I thought was just a calling life action, and within a couple hours talking it out with uh, godly uh, influences and leaders in my life, I realized that it was a deeper calling into ministry. But I, I began to start wrestling with that as soon as I started sensing that that was the calling. And it was because we had already established as a family what God, what I was going to do in my life. We had talked with a recruiter from the National Guard. I was gonna, uh, I was gonna go in because they would pay for the college. They would pay for college. I was gonna be going into be in the National Guard again. I had been accepted into the School of Architecture with the University of Kentucky, and I was gonna go and uh, be a contractor, build build houses, buildings, whatever I could build. I loved doing that. Uh, and we had kind of established that and put those ba- that ball in motion. And now I've got to go to my parents who, who were ones that, that out of, out of a, a pure love for me, desired the best for me, but they also had probably felt like they, they knew what was best for me. And so now I've got to go and say, Mom, Dad, I feel like God is calling me to something different. And I remember the wrestle and the tension that I felt just within my heart as I was, was worried because I was afraid that they had already worked out my life for me. And now I've got to go and because God is calling me to do something different. So I went with Keenan, my student pastor, with my uh, lead pastor at my home church. And we sat down and we just, wore, we just talked it out. The grace, God was so gracious to work out. Whereas they saw that God was doing something and they said, no, we want what God has for you. But that's the question is, what does God have for you? 
Not what he has for your spouse, first and foremost. Not what he has for your children. What is it that God has for each and every one of us? See, we can't work out anybody else's salvation or anybody else's purpose. And we can't let anybody else work out their purpose in us. So God is saying, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, seeing what he has for each of us in his purpose. But here's the whole thing that we have to understand, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Understand if we are to achieve his purpose, we have to have received his power. And if we've received his power, then we can achieve his purpose because it is God who is at work within you. If you're wrestling and saying, I just don't have, I just don't feel the joy, if nothing else, go back and, and look back and say, Jesus, when did, when did you call me? Remember that day I called you into my family, Jesus? And thank you so much for, for, le- for, for saving me, for, for, for hearing my prayer and hearing my cry. Go back to beginning, to the beginning, and that is where God is working in us. Many times if we're struggling, if we're wrestling with this joy, if we're wrestling with fulfilling this purpose, I believe it's probably because we've forgotten the power that is at work within you. The power of God. It says, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, those two things are are vital in the work of what God's going to do. Because it says, when it says that God is working within you, the will, he's saying he's working within you the desire the, pa- the, the passion, the joy he's stirring within you, this desire and this passion that says, hey, remember what I did for you? Remember how much I love you? Do you remember that your mind, that the enemy has no power over you? There's nothing that you, you are mine. Now, I want you to want to follow me. I'm working within you this desire. And he says, both the will and to will and to work, giving us the strength to actually do it. You can do great things for Christ. You can walk in victory. Do you understand that the power of God is so strong that you have the ability to walk in victory in these areas that you say, I just can't do it. No, you can't, but the beauty is is that God already has. God already is, and he's continuing to work. He's continuing to do this good work. He is continuing to work. His work in our salvation is all based around his goodness. It says to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know, the, the, a lot of people, they get into a theological debate that I, I don't want to get into right here, but they go back and forth. So, so are we to do it or is God doing it? And back and forth. Back. Here's the thing. God is at work within you and so you have a call to be obedient and walk with him. That is the beauty of what the gospel has done for each of us. Go and fulfill your purpose because God is going before you and so now you can walk in victory. You can walk in hope. You can live this life and achieve your purpose if you will trust and receive the power that is at hand with us. You say, Henry, I just, I just can't do it. I don't understand. You know, I, I just don't believe there's that much power in that. Well, let me tell you about the power found 
Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Well, this is exactly what, when in, in the working of God, as God has stirred within us, begun a good work and is completing a good work within us, this is the work. Ephesians 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in, every, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have every spiritual blessing if you're a child of God that, that is needed to fulfill this calling in life based on the authority of the Word of God. Even as He chose, chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He has done this. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace. It is all for the glory of God, the work that He is doing. We've received an inheritance, verse 11. We have been, our eyes have been opened, verse 18. Look, look there with me. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, the right, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the, fulfill, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That is the work of God in the believer. How is it that we can work out this salvation? Because God, I'm telling you, you look at that, I see a lot of things that God is doing, and we just get to walk in the benefits of it. I mean, that, that make, to me, that makes it a whole lot easier to walk in, in, in joy, to walk in this life fulfilling the purpose, because it's not what I've done or what I've, it's what God already has, and he's just saying, walk in it. So my question this morning is, are you walking in it. Are you walking in the power that you have received in achieving the purpose that he has for you? Are you walking in trust and hope and in, in, in purity in joy? What does that look like? Let's keep looking real quick in Philippians uh, 2, 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, some of you just got a little nervous here, and I'm going to tell you something that I, was, that I heard said, and I love. I just took away what some of y'all think is your spiritual gift. Some of y'all believe that your spiritual gift is to grumble and complain and to make everybody's life miserable. That is not a spiritual gift. I promise you, and as much as we want to believe it, we, we, we look at the Israelites. See, the Israelites grumbled and complained. Yeah, and I believe they were taken out into the desert a little bit longer than they were supposed to because of that. I don't want the desert for any of you. But some of us, we, 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 we've not, we, we're not looking at the power and we're not achieving the purpose. And so we get frustrated and we start, we start figuring, saying, no, this can't be it. This can't be. Trust me, guys, I'm telling you. There is power when we walk and trust in Jesus. And when that happens, then these things that we're to not worry about, they fade away quickly. We're to work out our salvation because God is already at work. And oh, by the way, that work means the grumbling and complaining. And the church in Philippi has to stop. 
Here's why. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. You know what we are, if we're not supposed to have grumbling and complaining, if we're not supposed to walk in that, what are we really supposed to look like? Well, it's easy, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness, is goodness, is gentleness, and faithfulness, self-control. Against these things, there's no need for a law. There is no law. Why? Because we're walking in complete obedience of the Spirit. We've seen the power that we've received, and we're achieving the purpose by fulfilling this calling on our lives. And he, he's saying this because there is, a, there is a world out there that needs to see something different. There are people that are scared, that are worried about their future. They need hope. There are people with shame and guilt that is rotting and destroying their lives, and they need forgiveness. There are people that have anger and, and hatred that need love and peace. And the way that comes is when we, the church, say that we want to see his purpose lived out in our life because he's given us the power. Warren Wiersbe says, says, unsaved people complain and find fault, but Christians rejoice. Society around us is twisted and distorted, but the Christian stands straight because he measures his life by God's word, the perfect standard. The world is dark, but Christians shine as bright lights. The world has nothing to offer but the Christian holds out the word of life, the message of salvation through faith in Christ. This is the witness of a Christian who understands the power received and achieves and seeks to achieve to promote. Are we, do we set a, is there a, such a contrast in our lives? And again, I'm not saying we remove ourselves. No, we have to go into the darkness to shine light. If we're just shining light around other light, then it's not changing anything. But if we walk into a dark world and we let the light of Christ shine in us, everything begins to change. When the church is walking in obedience and joy and hope. Because here's the thing. The magnitude, the power of our salvation should be enough to get us through this life joyfully. We don't ask you, we don't, you know, I, something has got, got to just stir in my spirit as we were worshiping. We're not, we don't ask you to, to lift your hands or, or anything just because we, we, want you to, we want to see that or anything. We ask you to lift your hands because we believe that there's something in a joy in a life of surrender that says, God, it's all yours. I've received the power. I have nothing to bring to the table except, except the life that is willing to be used. And Paul says that there's a twisted and dark world that needs hope. And they may walk in this, and I don't want them to see a bunch of people that are not excited about Jesus. I don't want you to put on a face. I'm not asking you to put on. I'm asking you to get excited and to receive the power and achieve the purpose that God has for this church. And that we walk in obedience and in joy because of the goodness of the gospel. 
Is it exciting to come into the house of the Lord? Is it exciting to come together and worship? Is it exciting to open God's word? Is it exciting to cry out and to pray to him? Is it exciting? We say, Henry, I'm struggling with it. It's not. Well, let me tell you, there's hope because God's working within you and he's giving the will and the work within you for his good pleasure if we'll trust in him, if we'll look to him. Here's the hope. Because that's what we because we have to understand that when we receive the, his power, we achieve his purpose because we believe in his promise. If there's anything I could add to the takeaway, it's it's understanding that when we receive his power, we will achieve his purpose because we believe his promise. There is a promise and a hope that is greater than anything else, and that is that one day if we have trusted and put our faith in Jesus Christ, then we will not live this life in vain. We will not walk in despair or in grumbling or in sadness. We will walk in pure, unadulterated joy that will be perfected when we all get to heaven. I love that song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. I love love what Paul says. He says, look, this was not meant for us to do this by ourselves. There's this mindset that these words describe the way the children of God are to relate to one another. An An individualistic uh, application doesn't, doesn't do it justice. We're called to walk, not just to not grumble and complain amongst ourselves, but not to grumble and complain amongst others. We're called not to just be pure and blameless amongst ourselves, but to be pure and blameless with others, to shine light, not just us, but as a church, as a people, as, a, as, as part of a kingdom that is defeating and has defeated hell, death, and the grave. Look at the person next to you real quick and say, you're stuck with me. Now look back and say, that's okay, because you're stuck with me too. Now look at it one more time and say it like you mean it. You're stuck with me. Now do it one more time back to the, it's okay, you're stuck with me too. If you're a believer in Christ, you're stuck. Now some of us, the person sitting next to us, the person right next to us, that's probably not a bad thing. We're going, I'm okay with that. But what about the person that's halfway across this worship center? What about the person that may be on the other side of this campus? That rather than letting the Spirit and the power of God work in our lives and grant such forgiveness that we've been granted it's so much easier to say, no, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to be stuck with them. See, the promise is that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if they've done that and you've done that, guess what? We're family. And the family, there's problems, but we're still family. And ultimately, I, I remember me and my sister I put, I, my sister came up, my parents put her in charge. She was three years older than me. I was about 13 years old. She was, she was about 14, 15. She's about five foot two. 
Uh, you know, she came up. I wasn't doing what she was asking me to do. She kind of kind of took the power to the head a little bit too much, and she came up, started bossing orders around. And y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are the older sibling. You say, I'd never do that. Yeah, we know. It's okay. But she started, and so I finally, I was like, I'm not doing that. Go away. Leave me alone. And she came up behind me, and she's like, Henry, you go do the, di-. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't care. And she, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, on my, on my back, I mean, she just wails on me one, at one good time, right in the middle of my back. And I, it was one of those moments I stood up, I was sitting in the chair, I stood up, and I grabbed her by the shoulders. I knew, my, I knew Dad would, would, would be mad at me if I punched her, so I just grabbed her, and I just pushed her, and she tripped, and she went into the wall, and we caved in the wall, spot in the wall, about this big. Okay, we fought like nobody's business. We, uh, we, we, we moved pictures. It was against a wall where a bunch of pictures were. We actually moved pictures and hid the hole in the wall. Uh, and it was one of those things we moved out after we had both graduated. And mom, we all of a sudden got this mysterious text from my mom. said, how did this hole get behind this picture? I have no idea, mom. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We would go back and forth at each other. It was just one of those things. We had that love-hate relationship. But let me tell you, the moment somebody came against my sister, she was my sister. The moment someone tried to come against me, my sister would be right there. Why? Because we're family. And we had our issues, but we came back to the reality that we are, we are blood. And guess what? Every single one of us in this room, if you're a believer, we are blood. And it's not our blood. It's his blood that has bought us. So how will we walk this out? We should never forget the hope found in Jesus. We should never forget the love found. And when we, when we start living this life, receiving the power and achieving the purpose, guess what? He begins to work within our marriages. He begins to work within how we we respond to our spouse, to our kids. Students, he begins to work when you receive his power. He begins to work on how you respect those above you, your parents, your teachers, coaches. Moms, dads, he begins to work on how we respond to our kids, how we respond to our boss at work begins to work in how we respond to the one closest to us on this earth, our spouse. And I want you to understand the enemy will comes in and seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And the enemy has done, his, done a great job at his purpose. But nothing is unredeemable. Nothing is unforsakeable. I think of testimonies even sitting in this room marriages restored after years lives being changed because of the power of the gospel giving up drugs I tell, I tell people I've walked with a, a recovering and one who's been delivered from the addiction of pornography the gospel is powerful if we will receive its power and the beauty is when you receive his power, there is hope. So my, my question to you, as you bow your heads, close your eyes, and we have this time of response, and, we're, and we, my desire is that we would respond 
in surrender and in obedience, trusting in the finished work of Jesus and saying, God, I want to receive your power and walk in the purpose and the, and the plan that you have for us. Work out your own salvation. In this time of response, I'm saying right now, what is it that God is calling you to achieve? What is it that God is empowering you to walk and to work out your salvation, seeing how God has done great things and is going to continue to do great things? Is there a relationship that we need to see restored? Is there a secret sin that you say, I just can't gain victory according to the Word of God, according to the authority found in the shed blood of Jesus. That sin has been bought and paid for, and you have been delivered. Walk in deliverance. Is there a lost one within your family that has not put their hope and trust in Jesus? There is hope when we cry out and we achieve, we receive his power and we can achieve his purpose to continue walking, continue sharing, continue loving. But we have to surrender us as we looked at last time at the beginning of this chapter and say, it's not about me. And so here's how I want us to respond. I, and God was just laying this on my heart at the beginning of our at the beginning of the service here. I desire that every single one of us would come to that place and say, God, it's not about me. I want to receive your power. I want to achieve your purpose. I want to believe in your promise. I want to hope in a hope that will not fail. I want to walk in a victory that will never be defeated. I want to live this life according to your goodness. Trusting in you. The world is still going to be dark, but we have light. The world is still going to be crooked and distorted, but we have hope. The world is still going to offer, continue to offer something that we'll never fulfill, but we have already been filled full. Something greater. And so if it's your desire to walk in, to receive that power, to walk in your purpose and to believe in that hope, I'm asking you to set aside ourselves and to say it's not about me and to stand up and when I count to three to stand up and come down front just as a declaration saying God here I am I want to receive you I want to quit grumbling I want to quit complaining I want to quit walking in the darkness I want to get I want to see power displayed projected exploding from my life. So I'm asking you, will you walk, will you receive His power? Will, do you desire to fulfill His purpose? It's all about Him this morning. It's all about the goodness of, God, of the gospel. That's what we hope in. That's the place where we find that freedom. That's the place where we see the greatest joy walking in that. So I'm going to pray. And again, I'm just asking if that is your desire. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect in your life at this point. I'm not saying that, that you have to have it all together. That's the beauty. We receive the power and then start walking in the purpose. We don't try to get our purpose lined up perfectly and so we can receive the power. It's offered freely if we'll trust and walk with Him. 
So I'm going to pray and then I want us to just respond in obedience, whatever that looks like. If you, if you want to come down, kneel, pray with somebody, ask somebody to pray for you. If you want to just come, lift your hands. But I'm asking, I'm asking God's people right now to come and to respond and say, here I am, God. If you've not put your hope in that and you want to receive that power for the first time, I'm going to be right off to the side. We'll have counselors. We'd love to talk with you and share with you a little bit more on what that looks like. You can take care of that today. Receive that power. Walk in victory and have a hope that you can believe in. But it's time that we as a church, as the church and the body of Christ, we say we need power and we're achieving your purpose. Here we are, Lord. Send us, use us, mold us, fill us, fill us, whatever it is. Father, I pray right now that you would stir the hearts, God, that you would work. You are working. It is you who works within us both the desire and the strength, the ability to obey, the the purpose, the, the hope, the joy within us. And you are the one that says, here I am, trust in me, walk with me, live this purpose, achieve the purpose because I've already given the power. God, may we receive your power here at Smoke Rise Baptist Church and may we walk this life believing and trusting in you every day. God, I pray that you would stir the hearts of the people that again, we would just as an act, as a simple act of displaying our obedience that we would come, we would, dis- we would declare our allegiance and renew our allegiance to you trusting in you, living for you, walking with you. God, that there would be hope displayed for those in here that do not know you and that they would want to be part of that. God, may we honor, may we glorify you because it's all about you. In Jesus' name.